Changemakers, welcome back to the Engage for Good podcast. I'm your host, Allie Murphy. I grew up hearing about World Wildlife Fund and have always been inspired by their work, but I never thought I'd interview one of their teammates on a podcast. Well, folks, today's the day it happened. WWF is the world's leading conservation organization. They work in almost 100 countries with nearly 5 million supporters globally and have a robust employee engagement program called Together at Work. In today's episode, I'm joined by Sharon Carlson, World Wildlife Fund's Manager for Employee Engagement, to talk about the three pillars of effective employee engagement programs and what they're doing around Earth Month. And while, yes, April is Earth Month, WWF collaborates with its partners year-round to develop and deliver innovative solutions that protect communities, wildlife, and the places in which people live. They leverage this moment in time while simultaneously encouraging year-round participation from employees and consumers. In today's episode, we'll cover the three pillars of effective employee engagement programs and examples of each of those pillars in action, how WWF works with its corporate partners to achieve behavior change for millions of employees, four tips for nonprofits looking to bolster their employee engagement offerings, seven tips for companies on running successful employee engagement programs, the importance of getting an internal comms person on board at a company, and what's on the horizon for the WWF team. And with that, let's get started. Hi, Sharon, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Very glad to be here. I'm glad that you're here too. Would you start us off by telling us a little bit about World Wildlife Fund? Absolutely. I'd be happy to. WWF works to help people in nature thrive. We're the world's largest conservation organization working in 100 countries, and we're supported by more than a million members in the U.S. and close to 5 million globally. While we were founded 60 years ago to be a wildlife organization, it might be surprising to some that we organize our work around six major conservation areas, climate, forests, freshwater, oceans, food, and wildlife, as well as two cross-cutting initiatives, plastics and biodiversity. And what is cross-cutting? Cross-cutting, great question. So cross-cutting <laughs> would be, um, so with plastics, and biodiversity, both of them touch on so many or all of our mm. goal areas. So okay. plastics um, it, it is related to climate because of the production of plastic. And, Probably oceans um, as well because it ends up uh, in the ocean. Yes, very much so. Oceans and wildlife. And biodiversity is the same uh, across climate, forest, freshwater, oceans, anywhere where there's habitat for wildlife and biodiversity. So um, so that's why we consider those cross-cutting initiatives because they kind of, they don't fit neatly into one of our goal areas. They really touch all of them. Okay, got it. Sorry, I interrupted. You were saying... Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> well, the reason we we have this broad, comprehensive approach is because it's necessary to protect wildlife, right? Because we have to address the threats to wildlife habitats and those ecosystems posed by climate change and unsustainable practices. So the breadth and depth of expertise around these sustainability issues is what makes WWF the recognized leader in advancing sustainability. So we use this expertise and we work with corporate partners to transform their business practices, sourcing, supply chains, and help them set science-based targets. And in addition to this transformative work, we also engage with companies through strategic philanthropy and landscapes or initiatives that align with their business. 
as well as cause marketing and consumer engagement. And finally, employee engagement, recognizing that employees are crucial stakeholders for companies and key drivers to achieving their sustainability goals. Okay, so we're going to dive into the employee engagement portion, but I want to hear a little bit about what do you do at WWF first? Yes, well, that is what I do, employee engagement. (laughs) (laughs) So isn't that convenient? So I sit uh, within WWF on our private sector engagement team um, that works with companies in all of those ways that I mentioned. And my area of focus is employee engagement. So that includes traditional workplace giving, as well as engagement programs that go beyond giving to deliver a more holistic experience for employees. Most employees want to see sustainability reflected in their job responsibilities, but there's often that disconnect and many don't feel that their company's commitments are connected in any way to their day-to-day work. So engaging employees around sustainability brings more transparency to what the company is doing and how the employees fit in so they can take that sustainability journey together. And because we partner with leading companies in their industries that tend to have really large employee bases, mm-hmm. we're advancing our conservation mission by achieving impact at scale with such a broad and global audience with employees. So let's dive into this a little bit more. Your team came up with three pillars for effective employee engagement. But before we talk about what exactly the three pillars are, can you share a little bit about how you came up with them and why your team thought it was important to actually define pillars in the first place? Well, the way we structure employee engagement ultimately is to design behavior, excuse me, to achieve behavior change. So ultimately, I mean, that's what we want, right? It's what we need. Millions of small actions amount to a huge impact. And that's what we're striving to achieve with employee engagement. The pillars are designed to help take that employee along the journey. So it starts with a sound base in education and awareness then opportunities to use that knowledge and um, activate, um, and then incorporate philanthropy. And they're based on that fundamental concept that individuals need to understand an issue in order to be inspired to act. And then when they do want to act, they need easy ways to use that knowledge in ways that are both meaningful and have impact. Okay, so what is the first pillar then? So our first pillar is education, right? So it's key to raising awareness and understanding of an issue, how it relates to your job, your business, and your personal life. Sustainability issues can be complex and overwhelming, sometimes even paralyzing. So the educational content needs to be compelling, relatable, digestible, and tangible, but also able to instill hope. Hope that making small changes each day in our daily lives can truly have a huge impact. So what's an example? You probably have a lot, but what's an example that fits into this education bucket that maybe touches personal life, business life, et cetera? Yeah. Well, the great thing about our employee engagement program is it's completely customizable. We can bring the expertise across a wide range of topics. So we're able to develop educational programs with our partners that focus on the key shared priorities, whether it's climate, renewable energy, reducing or eliminating plastic waste, corporate Mm -hmm. water stewardship protecting biodiversity and nature-based solutions. So curating that content to find the right fit is kind of like the fun puzzle, right? So we can do that a number of ways, like through um, a speaker series that brings in experts to speak across various topics relevant to the business. We also develop toolkits and resource guides that impart, you know, green actions, easy ways that individuals can get involved, actions they can take either at work or at home. 
Um, and we also design like deeper dive e-learnings, whether it's on climate sustainability or water stewardship. And we also develop year-round engagement that sometimes can be targeted specifically for a company's green teams. When you're developing this, whether it's a speaker series, the toolkits, resources, et cetera, is that something that you do just internal at WWF or do you work with corporate partners to actually bring the content to life? Right, right. Well, it's a mix of both. So generally speaking, we'll have, say, a single corporate partner, uh, but we're working with them in a number of ways. We might have some transformation work already underway uh, and already have for a couple of years. And now we're layering in, we want to do employee engagement. So what we do is, um, you know, we align with what the company is doing, what their goals are, their targets, and and then pull from, you know, our expertise and our teams, um, what content we have, what learning opportunities, what speakers can we bring um, that will really address that information gap with the employees. Because a lot of times the transformational work we do with a company, it only involves like their technical teams, right? Their procurement teams, their sourcing teams. It doesn't involve HR and marketing and everybody else. And so it's really key to bring the expertise, but not bring it in that technical sense. Um, so I coordinate across you know, all of our teams and the resources that we have and often need um, to kind of adapt it for a different audience, right? So, th- so I can't just bring a technical report to a company and say, here, this, this would be perfect for your employees. Yeah, I don't think I would understand that technical report <laughs> right. very much. I, I would mean, need something a little different. Exactly. It ha- like I said, it has to be relatable, tangible, and compelling and concise, right? So, mm-hmm. so an employee can read it, they, they understand it, and they're like, wow, I had no idea, and here's how I can respond to that. So it, it it takes, you know, it's it's a co-created program to really, you know, work with our corporate partner to find out like within their corporate culture, for example, how do they reach their employees? What has been successful? What are their internal channels? You read my mind. That was be my next <laughs> question. How do you actually get adoption for this? How do you get it into employees' hands, et cetera, to actually affect behavior change? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's not like the companies say, oh, here's our complete email list of all of our employees. Have at it. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, wouldn't that be great? No, no, no. Um, You know, we have to work, you know, (laughs) we have to. No, we love it. But we work with our corporate contacts and usually it's a team, right? So there's generally going to be someone that is on their sustain working in their sustainability area there should be someone in their comms team the internal comms and you know really crafting the right kind of program the right kind of events what kind of outreach do they use slack do they use yammer do they use workplace what do they use um and how how often do employees actually go to the intranet is that something that they use you know what um do, do they text do they have mobile apps for their employees? And, you know, and it varies widely from company to company, as you can imagine. So one, one step of the process is really kind of assessing what that landscape is internally for the company and what their corporate culture is, and then figuring out, okay, well, we have content pieces that can be adapted to, to work um, on, on workplace, or that would be perfect for your internet, or let's do this and send out these messages that link back to the internet where we have additional resources, videos, and content. So it really, you know, when I say I'm really not understating that every corporate partnership is different, it is different. Um, and that's that's where the fun comes in because we get to ensure that we're developing something that really is that good fit that I mentioned and will resonate with the employees. And the company knows the best way to reach those employees. 
And I think that's such a good point because there's lots of times where you have somebody on the podcast and you're like, well, we do this, which is fabulous. But there's so many different ways to do things. And so actually pointing out, okay, do they text? Is it on an internet? Is it via Slack? What is the best way to get towards them? I think helps people think about, hmm, there are different options out there. So I think it really is about figuring out how to partner with that corporate partner. What is their internal culture look like? How do employees engage and then go from there? Exactly. Because we we could say, oh, this is a great piece of content, but if it doesn't fit their channels or they don't have the right team put together and they have an internal comms person on their team, they're going to have a hard time really getting that out to the employees. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was pillar number one, education. What is pillar number two? Pillar number two is activation. So once the employees are more knowledgeable about the issue and how it relates to them. They're at that point where they can put that knowledge to use in a way that will have a positive impact. It's powerful when employees can come together for group activities and activations. Um, But even in a remote or hybrid setting, there's just as much impact that employees can have right at home, in their backyards, in their communities. So we focus on developing types of activations, again, that fit their corporate culture fit where their employees are because we want to have a program where employees can engage no matter where they're located. So could you give an example, because you mentioned remote and in-person or maybe once hybrid, could you give an example of something that you've done with corporate partner in the remote world and then one in the in-person world to activate employees? Yes. So we have a number of examples. um, And to be honest, actually, most of our activations for WWF are remote to an extent because we don't have staff and offices all across the US, right? So we design a type of activation that the company can can run uh, and where where it is possible at like at the company's headquarters uh, and they have people that are gathered together, we we will be there in person. We can conduct an event. We can do a film screening, our plan at our business. We can do a workshop on recycling and sustainable living. Uh, there are a number of different things that we can do, you know, just bring in just an expert speaker um, at, at a live event. Um, but we also develop the toolkits um, that will help reach those employees that aren't based in those headquarter locations um, and they can still tune in or they can take this toolkit and they can do a biodiversity scavenger hunt. They can do um, invasive removal. They can do a river cleanup. They can, they can still do a number of things, whether it's, you know, planting wildflowers one square foot or planting pollinator gardens, a number of different things where we can hold events at corporate headquarters, whether it's a film screening or a workshop, but there's always a takeaway toolkit and actions that the employees can do after the event, whether they were there in person for the event and they want to take this home and do it with their families, or it's a situation where the employees are remote, uh, but it's a way that they can engage. So we've gone from education to action. And now I'm curious, what is the third pillar? Uh, well, the third pillar is philanthropy, and this includes employee giving, of course, because not everyone wants to go out and get their hands dirty. So there should be an easy way for them to have an impact by donating. And, and of course, employee giving is more appealing when their employer offers a special match, maybe two to yep. one, that underscores the value the company places on sustainability. That reinforcement is really key. 
Um, beyond employee giving, though, uh, leveraging corporate philanthropy in strategic ways has so many applications. Employee-directed grant funding is something that we've done through step challenges to enable employees to direct funding to key initiatives. And we've also incorporated philanthropy into the traditional river beach cleanups by uh, having a token donation to WWF on behalf of each volunteer that participates and another $10 for each 10 pounds of trash collected. So, so there's some incentives for actual action yes, there as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, um, you know, the employee is out doing something and they feel good about that. But what they're doing, that action they're taking is also unlocking additional corporate funding for a conservation program. So it's a win-win. Do you have any other examples of creative match or grant programs that you could share? Uh, yeah, we had... Um, a really great example over this past summer where one of our corporate partners um, provided a $100,000 grant and based on their the way we work together and their sustainability priorities of plastics and biodiversity, we selected two WWF initiatives that aligned. Ghost Gear, which is ocean plastic resulting from discarded fishing nets that entangle marine species. Okay. And T times two, which is our signature tiger conservation project. So T times two conserves the tiger landscapes that protect biodiversity, right? And provide ecosystem benefits to the people in those regions, like filtering the water. So they allocated a portion of the 100,000 to seed each initiative. And then they let the employees determine how the rest to be divided through their steps. Kind of marries the best of both worlds, employee well-being and wellness, getting them outside, enjoying nature while they're doing it for a good cause. And was this something that was done? And maybe it's different depending on which corporate partner you're working with. But I'm curious for the steps piece, is this more of a remote thing? Is this something that you do at an in-person headquarters or is it across the board to get people moving as well? It's really across the board. I mean, what's nice about that type of a uh, an activation or any of WWF's virtual events like our virtual 5K, our step challenge for species, or our panda paddle event in August. All of these are opportunities for the employees to engage no matter where they are. They can get together with their employees and do it as a group. They could do it with their families, their friends, or they could do it all by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just really key because you're able to meet the donor where they are. Okay, so I want to transition. We're currently in Earth Month. So tell us a little bit about how you engage companies and their employees during this month specifically. I know you do it year round, but what's special about this month for you? (laughs) Oh, what's special is how crazy busy it is. I love (laughs) Earth Month, uh, but we it, it is such a busy time, but it is so pivotal to really, um, capitalize and and leverage that point in time when people are really paying attention to the environment. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's Mardi Gras for us, right? So we do a lot, (laughs) we do a lot of speaker events and fundraisers, and uh, we do have a lot of partners encouraging their employees to go out and plant one square foot of native wildflowers along with pollinator gardens. Mentioned that a bit earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also publish a resource each year called 60 Actions for the Planet, which is on our website. It has actions that individuals can take across all of our areas. So it's climate, forest, freshwater, oceans, food, wildlife, plastics, and biodiversity. So this resource can help individuals expand their green actions for a more, more holistic impact. And it's it's right on our website and can be downloaded. We update it every year. We 
it initially developed 50 actions for the planet. Uh, it was the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. Okay. And then the following year, it was WWF's 60th anniversary. So we grew it to 60. Um, and we kind of like 60. So we're staying with 60. 60 is a good number. And it's a good number. And we curate these uh, recommended tips from our experts on across all of our various teams. So, you know, we go to our climate experts, our forest, freshwater. And, you know, we say, what are the keys? key actions that you think individuals could make that would really have an impact. And so that's what we develop each year, a nice curated list. We will include that, or I will include that in the show notes, which you can find at engageforgood.com. And I want to transition into kind of more advice and things that you've learned along the way. So what advice would you give to a fellow nonprofit listener who wants to bolster their employee engagement programs with their corporate partners? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think something to keep in mind, um, I mean, two key things. Um, one, always make it easy for the donor. <laughs> always make it easy for the donor. Also make it easy for your corporate partner. Uh, we're often dealing with uh, someone who's on a very small team, right? The CSR team may not be as big as their marketing team. It may be a very small team and they have limited capacity. So trying to make things as easy for the company, your contacts and whatever team they have managing is great. Make it easy for the donor to engage and donate. Um, but also, you know, companies want to partner with a nonprofit because we bring that authentic voice and credibility, right? So messaging and content and education is key. So be concise, compelling, and always think through about what that desired outcome is when you're developing that content. If you want employees to take action, mm-hmm. make it easy for them. Help them understand why it matters. Uh, I think generally speaking, uh, also I'd add that companies are usually looking for content that relates to their business and their CSR goals. Right. So some level of customization will likely be needed uh, to develop a program that will really resonate with their employees. And what about on the, I think those are great ideas. What about on the flip side for corporate listeners, what advice would you give them on running a successful program with their nonprofit partners? Right. Well, uh, I, I guess that flip side is um, often the nonprofit partner also has a very small staff <laughs> that's trying. Everybody to, has a small um, staff. Yes. Yes. So, you know, let's be nice to each other. Uh, no. Um, so I, I would say that, um, you know, we're 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 all coming to the table with uh, a common goal. Right. And we can find a way to do it. So just work together to co-create have active listening sessions. Um, I m- alluded earlier to, you know, on the corporate side for like, how important it is for the team, and hopefully it is a team, uh, to include someone on the internal communications right. Uh, team, right? Because any successful employee engagement program hinges on company-wide communication, whether it's an event, it's a campaign. If you don't have internal comms on board, you're going to have challenges planning and executing those events and campaigns. Uh, and also in working with the nonprofit partner, be be clear about the goals and objectives and what those desired outcomes are that you'd like to see because we can co-create a plan to identify those KPIs and other metrics that will help ensure we're creating the right program with the right levers and identifying the right behavior um, that we that we want. Oh, also, yeah. I guess I would say um, very key, and I think this is really important and, and deserves uh, emphasis. Uh, having executive leaders on board or or you know executive sponsors really sets that 
tone for the employees and it's visible right. and it really emphasizes how much the company, you know, invests in this. But don't forget that at the end of the day, employee engagement is still heavily grassroots or crowdfunding, really, in a lot of ways. It's more bottom up than top down and employees are most inspired by their coworkers. So create space to recognize those employee champions and foster that community of practice. Okay, so millennials make up a really large portion of all U.S. employees, and I guess I'm one of them. And 70% of us expect employers to take an active role in addressing issues like climate change and social justice. And Gen Z that's entering the workforce, some are in there already, and more and more are going to join, care about this too. So how are you, twofold question, how are you preparing yourself as an organization for this change? And then part two, how are you helping your corporate partners prepare for this transition? Oh, that's the question of the day, right? So <laughs> for for years now, we 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 know it's been an increasing trend, right? That employees want to see real results, see their employers and the brands that they they that they love and follow and support. Um, discontinue business practices that degrade the environment, right? And start right. giving back to communities and to the planet. Um, they want to feel they're working in a place that is, you know, aligned with their own beliefs and, and they want to be supporting a company that is having real impact. So I, I think that WWF is well positioned with our, in a number of ways, with our credibility for one in the sustainability space and the work that we do with companies to lessen their footprint and all the technical transformation that we do. I think employees who consider climate a priority will look for employers who are taking action and making that impact in a real way. Right. And that's where WWF fits in. So whether it's science-based targets that we're helping a company set, those are validated, they're verified, or if we're helping um, their supply chain and where they source and how they source to make sure that's more responsible, whatever way that is, that that's the niche where WWF's transformation work is. And that is, I think, what positions us to really align with those companies that are also attracting the millennials and Gen Z. Um, and and it's even icing on the cake when we're also doing employee engagement with those companies. Right. So that's kind of a look towards the future and a different look towards the future. What's on the horizon for your employee engagement efforts? Um, I'd say we are continuing to build out and diversify the format of our offerings to accommodate the new hybrid workplaces, yep. um, add more gamification. We're always looking to develop virtual volunteering opportunities. And uh, we'll actually be engaging some of our partners in Walrus from Space later this year, which is a citizen science project. I was going to say, what is that? <laughs> uh, I date myself when I say it reminds me of the Muppets, but um, <laughs> Walrus from Space is a project actually being led out of our WWF UK office, and it is a citizen science project to have volunteers go through satellite imagery and literally count walrus from space. Oh my gosh. And so that data helps the scientists, you know, and, and informs the science that can identify the population trends and how walrus are being impacted by climate change. So you have a lot of exciting things on the horizon. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, we're also looking to do more expanded virtual events like a virtual 5K and uh, some of the other virtual offerings like Panda Paddle that I mentioned um, so that corporate teams can participate and compete all across the country. 
Uh, and also, as you know, speaking of Gen Z, and as we enter the age of cryptocurrency and NFTs yep. and other things that I don't understand yet, uh, well, you may yet see... to the end of that sentence. <laughs> Yet, I'm just scratching the surface personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but you may see some WWF activations around non-fungible planet to underscore that the Earth is unique, non-transferable, and definitely non-replaceable. Okay, we're going to have to have a follow-up call separately where I learn more about this because I'm very curious about a non-fungible <laughs> planet. Well, I'll have to bring in some other experts okay. <laughs> who can speak to it with you. That, that sounds perfect. <laughs> well, it has been such a treat to... Sh- chat with you, Sharon. And I would love to know, as one of my last questions, what is your favorite thing or one of your favorite things about the work that you do? What I have always loved about working in the space, uh, because even prior to WWF, I worked in the space for 14 years. Uh, So I've got a number of years under my belt at this point. Um, But it still, it, it, it never gets old. I love putting information into a, a into the context into a format into like somehow conveying the importance of an environmental issue in a way that really reaches someone mm-hmm. and makes them think about something differently than they ever did before and 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 hopefully that stays with them as they go forward and with each decision and each action every day what they buy what they use what they eat that they they really just put additional thought and consideration into how that impacts our planet in a good or a bad way. Uh, Just to be a little more conscientious about that because that light bulb turned on. And I just love making that connection with people. And that's why I continue to do this work for nearly two decades at this point. That is a long time to do it. So I'm glad you love it. That's yeah, you, I like hearing or asking that question because you can hear the excitement and the joy that comes through people's voices when they answer. So I will include the link that you already mentioned, the 60 actions for the planet in the show notes. But is there where else can people learn more about World Wildlife Fund if they'd like to do that? Absolutely. Well, our 60 actions for the planet guide actually lives on a dedicated employee engagement webpage where we have a lot of other resources that are focused on forests or oceans or freshwater or food, each of our areas, even plastic biodiversity. And there's even a toolkit to plan your own beach or river cleanup. So um, there are so many resources on that page. And then within each of those resource guides, there are numerous links to other um, related um, uh, you know, resources and websites and tools they can use, like how to track their water footprint, for example, or you know, how do you find uh, the nearest water fill station, you know, so that people feel more comfortable using reusable water bottles instead of carrying around plastic water bottles. So there are there are just so many resources just to kind of dig in and, you know, read for a little bit and see what grabs your fancy. And what we ask is that you share it, share, share the interesting things that you find so that others can start thinking about things differently as well. All right. Well, I will include all of that in the show notes, which you can find at engageforgood.com. Sharon, thanks so much for joining me. It was a pleasure to chat with you. Thanks so much for having me. This was so much fun. And to all of our listeners, thanks for tuning in as well. And we'll see you on the next Engage for Good podcast. The Engage for Good podcast is produced in partnership with True Story FM, engineering by Pete Wright. Music this week is by Yevgeny Bardusha and Rex Banner. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, we hope you'll consider doing just that for our show. 
But the best thing you can do to support Engage for Good is simply to share the show with a friend or colleague. Thank you for listening.